I'm Paul Evans and welcome to Airing Pain, a programme brought to you by Pain Concern, the UK charity providing information and support for those of us living with pain. This edition has been funded by the Big Lottery Funds Awards for All programme in Northern Ireland. We've been criticised, whether rightly or wrongly, that my previous GP only did this and only gave me painkillers and only did X, Y and Z or, or the dose of the painkiller was increased. And that's not necessarily the right way to manage pain appropriately and it, it really to get the message across to the patient that the way to manage your pain is not always to go up to the next dose of painkiller or that stronger painkiller but it's really to assess their pain fully and then to educate them that there may well be more than just the pain involved in, in their experience of the pain. A lot of people come and they ask you know what is wrong with me how long is it going to take to get better and what can you do And there's very few people that actually say to us, what can I do? In this edition of Airing Pain, we're looking at how pain cannot be dealt with in isolation. How pain management professionals can be key to helping us help ourselves. And how a pilot scheme in Belfast could make pain management programmes more accessible. We'll start at the doctor's surgery, which is more than likely the starting point for most of us when chronic pain hits. Now, a GP with a special interest provides additional services while still working within the community. So, for instance, your local health centre may have GPs with special interests in diabetes, epilepsy, headache, cardiology, or, if you're really lucky, pain management. Dr Neville McMullen is one of just two such GPs in Northern Ireland. He works out of Cherry Valley Surgery in Belfast, but also with the pain management team in the Ulster Hospital. I've been involved with the Ulster Hospital for the last three to four years. I do a weekly clinic there um, every Wednesday. And I was brought in initially to try and improve the very long review times that a lot of these patients were experiencing. They, They had their initial consultation and then it could have been upwards on three years before they had their review with the with the pain clinic and that's an unacceptable time time limit so along with myself and the staff grade um, over the last three years within about nine months we had that down to about a six month review the problem with chronic pain patients is that there's no cure and it's a bit I, I always try and compare it with the diabetes model there's no cure for diabetes but we have to try and manage them as best we can so these patients do need reviewed and again, we can argue about where the best setting is to review these patients. They don't all need to be done in a hospital setting. But um, you know, your ultimate goal really for, for, for a number, not, not all patients, this doesn't hold true for every single pain patient, would be to give the patient the tools that they can manage their condition themselves as best as possible and can dip in and out of some specialist resources if they need to in the future. But ideally, they would be given the empowerment and the tools to manage their pain rather than just getting more and more cocodamol from their GP. What sort of tools would you give them? We actually have a thing called the Pain Toolkit, which is a, a lovely wee handbook that uh, is written in very simple language that they can use. It talks just very basic concepts of pain managed, management and they can manage themselves, whether it's through things like pacing and goal setting and, and setting themselves uh, you know, realistic, achievable targets. Mm-hmm. It talks about physical activity and how important it is to keep things moving and keep things mobile. It's the old adage, if you don't use, you lose. And uh, we would use um, physiotherapists quite a lot through the Ulster Hospital to encourage patients to break through this, this, this chronic pain cycle where they get into this uh, chronic misuse of the limbs or whatever it may be, that they, then the muscles waste away and they have no support for their, 
their spine or whatever the pain may be. Dr Neville McMullen, GP with a special interest in pain management. Ashley Montgomery is a physiotherapist at the Ulster Hospital. She works with its pain management programme led by consultant clinical psychologist Jenny Maguire. The pain management programme in the Ulster is an eight-week group-based programme. It's three hours every week, over eight weeks, and it's multidisciplinary. So I work into it, Ashley works into it from the physiotherapy end of things and then one of the pain consultants works into it as well from the medical end of things. So it's a multidisciplinary treatment programme based on acceptance and commitment therapy. Acceptance and commitment therapy? Acceptance and commitment therapy is one of the newer third wave cognitive therapies so it has sort of built if you like on the the foundations that were there in traditional CBT and what we found is that this type of therapy can have better outcomes and work better with long-term conditions. Uh, CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, these are talking therapies but if we're in pain we don't need to talk about it, we need it fixed. And I think in an ideal world if it was that straightforward that's exactly what would happen but I think as you probably know Paul from your own experience pain is a very very complex thing to live with it's not just the the physical component of, of pain pain impacts on you emotionally it impacts on you psychologically it impacts on the choices that you make in your life it impacts on the reality of what you can and you can't do in your life so pain is not just a physical experience so if you consider all of that then clinical psychology has a lot to bring when you think about living with a chronic condition like like pain like chronic pain but i've said this many times over i'm probably boring people to death with this when you feel as you say incredibly low and depressed and Mm. the pain is doing all these other things the last thing you want to be told is to see a psychologist because we're not mad no we're perfectly normal people but we're in pain Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things you know clinical psychology comes up against in chronic pain is sometimes the assumptions that are there about psychology that as soon as psychology is mentioned you know I know we've had people um, in our programs that have sort of said to us you know that when they're sitting there in the consultant room and, and the pain consultant says oh maybe you should think about having a talk with our clinical psychologist you know the automatic assumption is is he trying to say this pain is all in my mind you know, do they think I'm making this up? Almost like their their pain experience is invalidated in some way. And it's actually, that couldn't be further from the truth of what it is. I think there is a recognition now, and if you look at most of the pain services across the UK, there, there will be clinical psychology attached to them, that this is a long-term condition that is very, very difficult to live with. And it spills out into all different types of areas in your life. It impacts on your self-esteem, it impacts on relationships, it impacts, as you said, on your mood and on your functioning. So, you know, it makes sense that there would be a clinical psychologist involved in your care as part of a multidisciplinary team. Many people, as they start their pain journey, they will not be seeing you at the very beginning. In fact, it's very, very late in the pain journey. Mm -hmm. That's something that we are very aware of and it's something we do talk about yeah. as a team. Um, you know, that 
by the time a person maybe gets to a pain clinic and, and the gateway to our pain management program is through the pain clinic. So it's not widely accessible. Um, by the time people sometimes get to the pain clinic and they maybe try different medications for a while or there's other investigations to be done before you know there is a, a clear diagnosis of, of chronic pain or a condition with chronic pain. And it's then that the pain management program is talked about. So it is it is late in the journey. And I think that's something comes back to maybe resources and where certain healthcare professionals are being placed in, in, in sort of um, the pathway of care for chronic pain. I mean, I certainly think um, in our team, the nursing staff and the doctors, I think, are more and more now having that conversation about self-management and about the pain management programme earlier, even though the referral might not happen until other investigations and things like that are done. But I do think overall it needs to be moved earlier in a, in a person's experience of pain. Ashley, you're the physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. Are people sent to see you too late in their pain journey? I work in a service that is basically, it's an acute service, so I work in a hospital site. So I would see people very earlier on in their journey. In other words, people directly from the emergency department, directly from orthopaedics. Then the other side of our service is then people that come along with chronic pain conditions, and that's via the pain clinic or through the rheumatology service. So... I see two types of patient groups. I see the acute presentations and also I see people who are already on that pain journey who have already experienced chronic pain over a long period of time. And they're very different groups of patients and my management of that patient and the care of that patient is very different. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I suppose the difference being a physiotherapist with somebody with acute pain Mm -hmm. is that you're helping them get better. Yeah. Whereas with somebody with chronic pain, you're helping them just manage it. Yeah. If somebody was to come to me from the emergency department after having sprained their ankle, I'm there to help them to get better. Um, somebody that, who comes through the pain service that has been around many services probably by that stage, and they've been diagnosed with a chronic pain condition, whether it be a rheumatology-based condition or fibromyalgia or chronic low back pain, it's a very different management of that condition and the journey for that patient is very different accordingly and my approach would be very different because it's not about curing it's not that biomedical model where you're going to make them better it's more about helping them to understand their pain and um, introducing them self-management strategies and tools to help them in that journey. What sort of self-management strategy tools would you introduce? I think a lot of people come hopefully you'll agree Jenny and they ask you know what is wrong with me how long is it going to take to get better and what can you do and there's very few people that actually say to us what can I do you know and so I actually introduce it that way well this is my understanding of your condition how you're presenting this is what I can do and this is what I think we should proceed with in terms of self-management and self-management I think there's different aspects to it I think certainly people actually understanding what chronic pain is understanding that it's not in their head that it's a really really real experience for them that their pain is real is very important I think also not just that understanding but the fact that somebody can actually understand and believe them that they actually are experiencing pain that's a very very 
important in terms of them accepting their own condition. Then there's different aspects in terms of activity, pacing. Physios are very, they've got a reputation, I suppose, in terms of get people with pain moving and get they'll feel better for it. But I come from a more balanced approach in terms of the balance between rest and activity. It's important with patients that are experiencing chronic pain. Um, but the other thing is with self-management, it, it's not just the understanding, but it's actually the patient learning to accept where they're at. It's not a sign of defeat. It's not them giving in now, okay, I've got this condition. Um, it's actually the start of a process that helps them live with their pain. That's why we follow the ACT principles, because it's very for them to actually commit to that and start to make changes and to make adjustments, then that's the first step that's really, really important. And whether that be in relation to physical activity or whether that be in relation to emotions or feelings or fears, it, it encompasses both of those. Well, ACT is acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about accepting it, but how much of a barrier is that to accept something that, that you don't want? Or that we mm. think that the doctors are there to make mm. us better, mm. accepting something that mm. is making your life worse. Mm-hmm. I think it, it probably comes back to maybe what acceptance means. And, and I think sometimes acceptance gets confused with resignation, mm. putting up with. And in act, acceptance is, is not that. Acceptance is more around how do you make room for this change that has come into your life. You don't have to like it. You, you, you don't have to want it. Um, if somebody came along with a magic wand and said, we can get rid of this, you can absolutely say, yes, please, I'll take it. But it is about making room, I suppose, for some experiences in your life that are unwanted and unasked for. So, And sometimes those are negative things and sometimes they're positive things. And it's about making room for... All of those experiences, whether you see them as positive or whether you see them as negative. And it is very difficult because when you're in pain, your normal response is to do something to make it stop. And if you can't do that by yourself, you then seek medical input. And we're in a culture, I suppose, where you know there's an expectation that the doctors will at some point find something to fix us or to ease it or to make it go away and I think it's a very hard reality sometimes with chronic pain particularly when people sometimes have seen so many different doctors and have tried so many different medications and the pain is still there sometimes they're living as well with quite bad side effects from the medication that they're on you know and I think it can be a real crossroads nearly in, in, in with chronic pain to get to a point where you realise actually the doctor may not, at this moment in time, the doctor may not be able to do anything more. You know, different people get to that point at different stages. Some people may never get to that point. Everybody's journey is different. And I suppose where we would work from is, is with the acceptance end of it. It's about making room for this thing in your life that you, you didn't ask for and you don't want and it's having quite a lot of impact on your quality of life, on your working life, on finances and all that kind of thing. But how, how can you make room for it and try and live your life alongside it? So as well as accepting and making room for, for, for this condition that has come into your life, it's also about reconnecting 
with your values, with those things that are close to your heart. And very often we find with chronic pain, in your effort to try and manage the pain or to try and reduce the pain or try to have some control over the pain, all of a sudden the things that actually really matter to you in life are the things that start getting cut out. So you don't see your friends, you become less active, you you maybe um, say no to things that you could do just in case it would be a bad pain day or it might flare things up. So you start actually disconnecting from things that are precious to you. So ACT is about both of those things. It's about making room for something that maybe is difficult to live with, exploring your relationship with your pain, but also reconnecting to those things that actually matter to you with your values. In those conditions, pain is ruling your life. Pain is managing your life. Mm -hmm. It's moving away from that so that your life is managing the pain. That your life is living with the pain. There will be times whenever the pain feels more dominant. So if you're in the middle of a flare-up, the reality of that is you have very minimal choice if you're in the middle of flare-up pain. But if you're, you know, maybe at other points... You know, we sort of talk about it as wiggle room. Yeah. Your, your wiggle room might increase on other days compared mm-hmm. to the amount that you might have on flare-up days. So it's increasing your flexibility and living with the pain so that day in, day out, depending on how your pain is, you can still make choices yeah. that are in the direction of your values, that are in the direction of what actually really matters to you, rather than it being like an either-or. I either have to do the things that really matter to me or I'm in pain and I can't. It's not, it's a both and. One of the things that must go along with that, you mentioned pacing. Mm-hmm. Boom and bust is an expression mm-hmm. that everybody with chronic pain will have experienced. Mm-hmm. Yes, we often touch on this. Um, we discuss it very openly in the group mm-hmm. as well. I very much come from an understanding where people with chronic pain literally impacts not just on everyday life in terms of their emotions or the psychology side of it, I suppose, but also physically. In other words, when people withdraw, they become um, less physical in terms of they don't go out walking, they don't socialise. Even the simplest things like breathing can be affected by their their chronic pain and posture because they're sitting down more, they're afraid to, to move. Things like balance. Some people become more dependent on walking aids because as they've withdrawn, as they've become more sedentary, and because their pain has dictated that to them, all the time what's happening is becoming more and more deconditioned. But some theories would say, right, get people going, get them moving, get the adrenaline going, get the serotonin released, it'll make them feel better, it'll give them confidence, it'll impact on their pain, and that will be well and good. And that is true to some extent, but a lot of people with chronic pain, particularly by the time they've come along to the pain management programme, I think it would be very unprofessional of me to suddenly get people up and moving when they haven't moved in maybe five ten years that they're on still on a zimmer rollator and i'm expecting them to do step ups you know so i introduce very much the basics i call them my building blocks and i we talk about breathing and, and about improving their breathing pattern we talk about posture we talk about balance we introduce that we, we allow them to kind of self-assess that for themselves and it's not about coming along and doing lots of exercise, but it's introducing these basic tools or these basic aspects of physical activity, first of all. And then hopefully that allows people to get more confidence and get the basics right. There's no point in me encouraging people to go for a walk if, if they find that even going 
up a few steps is difficult because their balance reactions are down. So it's very much, rather than boom or bust, it's very much I like to get the basics right, build on that and allow people to gain confidence in their own ability and then introduce other strategies like the benefits of more physical work, like going out walking, like going swimming, because that's where the other aspects of, I suppose, whether you call it pain control or the pain gate theory, come in and how moving can impact on your pain experience as well as the psychological talking therapies. Well, that's easy. That's, that's absolutely settled now. We all know how to do it. The problem <laughs> is that when somebody with chronic pain feels well, mm-hmm. they want to do it all today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you break that barrier? Yeah. We actually spend quite a long session talking about flare-ups, and we talk about the impact of a flare-up that impact can be very emotional and it can be very physical. And um, we strip it right back and oftentimes people with a flare-up can get warning signs and also triggers. And so it's actually taking it back and allowing people to become more familiar with those warning signs and start to read them and take action. Because like you say, a lot of people with chronic pain is they think, oh, this is a good day. I have to do this. I have to I have to get the house cleaned, I have to do that, or I have to go and meet somebody. And then they suffer for it for, for another two weeks. So it's actually talking about getting that balance again. It's actually being more aware of what your body is telling you, but also then putting it into practice so that instead of, yes, maybe that day you feel you get a sense of achievement and you feel good for it. And maybe somebody says, well, you know, they somebody says, well, that's great, you've got that all done. But for two weeks then you're off kilter and you feel miserable and you're sore and you can't do anything then. So it's about giving people the tools to recognise that, but also talking them through in terms of those management strategies. Mm -hmm. And that is in relation to that commitment to actually take on board what they're actually telling themselves. Patients are the experts in this. They recognise very familiar patterns, and particularly in groups, they're very quick at saying, that's me, I can understand that, and I do exactly the same. And they actually come up with very good coping mechanisms and coping strategies and give very good examples and some of them actually challenge each other in terms of, well, why did you do that? You could do it this way or you could do it that way. So that's not just from a physio head, that's from a psychological head in terms of being, you know, looking at and stripping it back and looking at how it impacts on you, not just physically, but emotionally as well. And I think sometimes it is about, you know, very much handing choice mm-hmm. back to the, the people who are living with the condition. And as you're saying, you know, if you've a, if you have a good day, then the pressure's on to sort of, you know, do everything in that yeah. good day. And then inadvertently then, you know, you do too much, your pain flares up and you're out of action then for whatever length of time. And sometimes it's about handing that back as a, as a pattern and saying, you know, well, how much does that way of doing things fit with your values? You know, yes, on that one day you might get all of your ironing done and you get your house cleaned and you get your, you know, whatever tidied out. But for the rest of the two weeks, you're too sore to see your friends, you're too sore to play with your children, you know, so think about how you're managing and what way of managing fits best with what actually matters to you. But you see, one of my strategies, you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, is that I will do what I want to, I will take the hit Mm -hmm. just for that afternoon climbing a mountain or something like that. And is that sort of something that's close to your heart, that getting out and climbing the mountain and actually going 
yes, I've done that. I'll know I'll pay for it, but that's actually something that's really precious to me. Is that yes? That's a strong value. It is. And that's again, that's some of the choices that you make. So we've had examples mm-hmm. in our group where people will sometimes do things, you know, like that. Maybe it's an activity, maybe it's something with um children, where they know they are going to be very very sore after it, but they will do it because the value and the importance of that in their life overrides what the pain is telling them about the negative consequences of doing it. And it's really important to hold on to stuff like that because the pain will still be there. Yeah. But what you've just talked about there, that's the stuff that actually makes life worth living. How much pain does one need to be in to come to a pain management programme? We don't no. put a level on it. You know, you, as far no. as we're concerned, your pain is whatever you tell us it is. So we very much come from the, you know, as Ashley said, you, you are the expert in your pain. Mm-hmm. We might have ways of thinking about your relationship with pain or provide a space in the, the programme to maybe critically evaluate and reflect on that a bit. And we certainly have hints and tips around what you can do to sort of get going again. But you're the expert in your own pain, so you take the parts that fit for you, that have meaning for you. It's not yeah. prescriptive. It's, no. it's very much led by people's yeah. own pain knowledge and pain experience. Yeah. And it's not about the level of pain or the frequency of pain. It's more how that person is feeling the impact of that pain on their life. So it's not just that unpleasant physical experience, but it's that unpleasant emotional experience that they're having alongside that and when that's starting to impact on their everyday life that's when we feel that the pain management program can be beneficial for the patient so it's not about how severe it is or how frequent it is it's more the impact of that pain is having on that person's day-to-day life. Physiotherapist Ashley Montgomery and consultant clinical psychologist Jenny Maguire at the Ulster Hospital. I'll just remind you that whilst we in Pain Concern believe the information and opinions on airing pain are accurate and sound based on the best judgments available, you should always consult your health professional on any matter relating to your health and well-being. He or she is the only person who knows you and your circumstances and therefore the appropriate action to take on your behalf. Don't forget that you can still download all the previous editions of Airing Pain or obtain CD copies direct from Pain Concern. If you'd like to put a question to Pain Concerns panel of experts or just make a comment about these programmes, then please do so via our blog, message board, email, Facebook, Twitter or pen and paper. All the contact details are at our website, which is painconcern.org.uk. Now, back to what I said earlier about GPs with special interests able to work within the community. Dr Neville McMullen, with his special interest in pain management and links with the Ulster Hospital pain team, has his own view on bringing pain management services closer to the people who need them. Of the patients I would see regularly in in, in the hospital setting, and certainly the review clinics, they could be managed as equally well in a community setting and um, with multidisciplinary input, which um, would probably appeal more to the patient rather than having to track up and find parking at the hospital and the hassle of getting the appointment and so on. So if we could do it in a, in a, in a more local, neutral setting, in a neutral venue, with appropriate people seeing the patients, then my feeling would be that would be the right way to go. What are you talking about? Church halls, leisure centres, sports centres? 
would have no problems with any of those. But probably uh, neutral charity means not doesn't have to be in a in a healthcare setting. We are certainly keen to push the the physical activity side of things for health prevention in lots of other disease areas, whether it's cardiovascular, diabetes, or obesity. So certainly a leisure centre would be an ideal setting to run clinics from. Why not? How is that progressing? There are pain management programmes in place within the Ulster Hospital. There are some pilots that um, GPs are now able to refer into, which are hopefully going to develop into more permanent uh, programmes, but we will have to wait and see on that. There are other pain management programmes running in, in the Belfast Trust as well, and they are multidisciplinary in nature too, but um, they're currently in a, in a hospital setting and, and not in, in, in the community. So there's work to be done. There's definitely scope that those, those clinics could be built upon or developed. Um, one of my other big burning issues is really to get a, uh, nearly a public health campaign going about educating, certainly in the musculoskeletal field, of, of the need for patients to be physically active. And we touched upon that earlier, that... The, they need to be engaging in a form of activity to keep their muscles and, and joints working. But there's a real need to educate healthcare professionals. I think one of the worst things that can happen to any patient is to go along to their GP and their pain isn't taken seriously. I was at a meeting recently with um, some patients with endometriosis and one of the biggest problems with, with seeing their GP was that they felt they weren't being believed. And I think that's very important that the patient's word is taken as this is their pain and this is how the pain affects them and I think if they can be listened to and believed and then we can come to some sort of way to manage their pain better then then the patients will get a lot more out of that than being dismissed with maybe a, a, a stronger or an alternative painkiller.